Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. It's been such a long time. How are you? I went out for a walk today. Where'd you go? I went to um, a place called uh, Brixton Deverill. Brixton Deverill. Brixton I walked around Deverill. Regent's Park today and saw some lions. Because like, you can see you can see into Re- London Zoo when you walk around Regent's Park. And I saw the lions just sat out in the sunshine. Really? Yeah. Well, why would why does anyone answer. why does anyone pay to go in? You can just look <laughs> well, you at could... why would you well, just... you got to... You can't see all of the zoo. You can see pe- you can see penguins, you can see spider monkeys, and you can see a lion. Yeah, but that and, and a camel. Why pay more? I mean, if you can see no, all those, you don't have to. You can see all of that. You can just walk around the zoo. That's insane. Like they, they're yeah. stupid. They should put up like like a massive exclusion zone and some like fencing or something to stop. We it. need to build a wall. We need a wall. Keep them out. Build the wall. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I went for a walk with my with my dad. It was a lovely walk in the hills. And um, nice. Yes, my legs are a bit tired, but I'm I'm all ready to rock, ready for a bit of sciencing. Ready for a bit of sciencing. Yeah, we're kind of we're, we're kind of ramping up um, the science shed again. That we're the kind of everyone's got used to kind of doing it remotely now, and I've quite into. So we're doing this science shed remotely. You know, we're not together, unfortunately. It seems uh, to work think, okay, you know, doesn't it? Yeah. It still has it still has some value. I still rather be in the same room as you, Nick. If I'm honest, yeah, I feel like I can insult you better if uh, we're closer. Yeah, exactly. I mean. You know, I don't care for your odour, but otherwise, you know, everything else is fine. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Steve, I've been listening. Another thing I wanted to say is, look, look at that. Can yeah. you read what that says? I'm showing Steve something. It says Metal Hammer, House of Hammer, free cassette number one from May 1991. I found this the other day. in my. There's cassette. a band called Dead Zeppelin on it. Dread Zeppelin. Great Dread band. Zeppelin. Great band. Great band. They sing Led, Led Zeppelin tunes, but the singer's an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> oh, God. Look them up. Anyway, but I just I just thought I'd had it lying next to me, so I thought I'd show you. There's um uh, there's a uh like um a guy on the um uh, uh like cabaret scene in London called Frank Sinatra, and he does he dresses up like uh, like um, Hitler and does like uh, Frank Sinatra covers. Well, that's funny. I mean, <laughs> and he, instead of doing like that's life, he he sings a uh, 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 Third Reich, Third Reich, <laughs> Third Reich. That's what I was told. Anyway. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, Steve, let's get to the business. Hmm. Steve, Nick. You know, um, you know, I like birds. You do. You're a bit of a twitcher, aren't you? I wouldn't say. I remember when, when we lived in California. Um, I remember you uh, like getting a text from you or something, and you were like, "Do distraught," and you were like, "And I got something was wrong." I was like, yeah. "I was like, Nick, what's up?" And he's like, "Oh, it's, it's really been stressful." I was like, "What happened?" And you told me that like that, that a cedar waxwing, a bird, had flown into your patio doors that in the flat that you lived in in Menlo Park, and it hurt itself. And like and like you you were so con- I don't think I've ever seen you concern- concerned as much about anything. It happened. You know, it just in, hurt in itself, life. Steve. It eternally hurt itself. <laughs> <laughs> it was dead. It, it totally it flew bird. into the window and died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I do, like, I follow people on Twitter who like who like bird watching as well. And one of them's called Stu Royal, 
His Twitter handle yes, Twitter handle is at Stu underscore bot three thousand. But if you just type okay. in Stu Royal, you'll find him. But I just giggled because recently he'd put a tweet out when he'd sort of said, you know, um, he'd found a load of bird names and basically had said that people who name birds have got a great sense of humour. Because <laughs> he pulled out all of these birds which are ridiculously named, like tried right. to call them. I mean, the first one was called a drab seed eater. A drab, drab seed, seed eater. eater. Okay. Typical swift. That's a bird. A typical swift. Uh, a rough, a rough-faced shag. Okay. A common Which shag. There's there's a whole bunch of birds called a sh- different types of shag. shag yeah, right? common shag yeah. in the UK. Common shag. Yeah. That's the only one we see. Sad flycatcher. <laughs> I like this one. A somber tit. Right. A somber tit. A ruddy so, pigeon. So, so, okay, hold on. So, so, so the 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 accusation is that. Hang on. These, hang these on. terms. Hang on. There's, there's penduline tits. That's another one. <laughs> penduline tits. Okay. And then you've yeah. got you've so, got satanic nightjar, monotonous right. lark, and my favourite, invisible rail. In- <laughs> but okay, but the insinuation is that they, they know that there is a these are um, uh, somewhat uh, 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 they can be misinterpreted um, the, uh, by by kind of the layperson. Is that the idea? Well, it's just silly names, isn't it? I mean, a ruddy pigeon, yeah. for instance, a fluffy back tit babbler. I mean. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're... that that sounds like something that's from Blackadder, doesn't it? Back <laughs> tit babbler. That's a bird, mate. It's a bird with a scientific no, name. A it satanic like it's totally job. made up. <laughs> anyway, I hadn't heard of a lot of these. Wait, cause... so what was that? The, the say that last one again. The, um, the tit babbler. A fluffy back tit babbler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're funny, aren't they? And then, yeah. and then I found another one. He'd, he'd, and this is what's getting me onto the science story here. <laughs> it makes <laughs> me think of like Stephen Fry in Blackadder with like. Lovely back pit babbler. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I found another bird. It was, and one of them was called the go away bird. It's yeah. literally called a go away bird, and it's a type of bird called. This is we're getting back onto the science stuff. <laughs> See, Good. It's called rather a, than just the silliness. The proper name for it is a crinifer, right? Okay. And when you listen to this bird, I had a look at it on YouTube. It's called a go away bird because it says go away. Right. What do you mean it says go away? Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Do you you have a recording of this? I do. Will it it play on this thing? Will you hear my sound? It might work. It might play. Let's try it. Let's try it. We can. We'll. We'll. It probably um, won't. will. You'll you'll hear it, listeners. It will in the edit. In the edit. Yeah. (laughs) You'll hear it, listeners. Okay, it kind of sounds like that, Nick. It yeah, sounds I like agree. go away, doesn't it? It does a bit. Yeah. Like that. So I, yeah. I got thinking about how the hell, and then I thought, parrots, that's crazy. They can talk. <laughs> Steve, correct me. <laughs> I didn't imagine this. They can they can literally say, they can literally talk. They can mimic. They can mimic. They, they can talk. talk. And there is yeah. a budgery guard which has a vocabulary of 200 words. Yeah, but I, that's that's not true though, is it? Like they they have they can make noises, but they can't actually form sentences. And well, no, I'm like not I'm not complex, claiming yeah. that they can they can understand the words, but the bug, budgerigar unambiguously can say two hundred words. Okay, fine. It, you, you and I would hear the words and we'd understand the words it was saying, right? Right. You're happy with that? Uh, maybe kerfuffle. Yeah. 
Could they say that? Could we train a budgerie to say kerfuffle? Kerfuffle? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I don't know. Fs are probably a bit difficult, aren't they? <laughs> There's a heavy metal band where the singer is a parrot. Did you know that? A heavy... I did not know it's that. It's a heavy metal band. It's called Hatebeak. And... <laughs> The singer. No, you're making this up. No, no, this is a no, complete no, lie. No, no, no. Right. Hate okay. Beak. Uh, Waldo. There's, well, Waldo. There's a he- <laughs> the singer's called Waldo. He's a 21 year old African grey parrot. He's the world's only heavy metal rocker, rocker with wings. It's a Baltimore based three man studio project. They don't play live, Steve. <laughs> you record. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. They record. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is what the. Uh, one of the bands. This is this is like guitar- Rush should have been jumping on this in the seventies. The guitarist says, the interviewer asked them, "Well, how do you get Waldo to sing for you?" And he says, "Well, most of it's getting him to relax. The mimicry is a form of play. So we get him to do anything. Then he kind of spouts out whatever. But then he does like to bite your ear a lot. So that's basically Waldo singer. Anyway, how do birds make noises like that, Steve? And why do they do it?" And why, why it do they birds? mimic? Well, but why do birds say words? But like, yeah. let's say my cat, your dog. Could you imagine if yeah. your dog suddenly started saying, "Here's a pretty boy then, to you? That would be weird. That would free you right out. My dog can understand certain words. It's not the um, same, Steve. Imagine no. your dog speaking. No, I agree. Yeah, that would be weird. It would, it would totally be weird. No one really um, knows why birds speak, by the way. So I'm going to skip to the end before I tell you the bits in between. No one really knows why they speak. I mean, it must be. I mean, it must be there. Must, there must have been some, uh, you know, Darwinian pressure in order for it to make to, in order for them for in bird culture for them to be more sexy if they can mimic things or something. Some that people must, do, there must be. Some people think it's something to do with that. There is a school of thought which is it's to do with mimicry. So a lot of birds can mimic other birds and things. Like, I mean, in the UK, starlings are actually pretty good at mimics. Like if you listen right. to starlings sing, sometimes they'll sound like phones. Sometimes they'll sound my like... sister gr- growing up, my sister had a, a, a cockatiel called Tango, and Tango used to mimic the sound of the telephone. And so, in the middle of the night, you wake up in the middle of the night. This is before mobile phones. This is when I was, you know, very young. Um, and you'd wake up in the middle of the night, come down, come downstairs to come and like answer the phone, and it would just be the the, the bird making the sound of the phone in order to get because because the bird knew if we did that we. would you know they would get human contact um yeah, but yeah no so it's a, it's a strategy to get to get something basically well they just wanted they probably just wanted like you know yeah, food or whatever learn strategy, but, like, but still i mean it's a strategy to get but the, but, but, the, but the but the but the bird realized that when when they made the noise when when the when the phone rang humans came and so therefore their solution was if i make the same noise humans will come yeah you know some people um, think it's anti-predation as well so some birds will mimic uh more dangerous birds to scare other birds off or other animals off. I mean, a fa- mm. famous one is the lyre bird. That's, that's like my dog when she makes a really aggressive <laughs> growl. It's like she, it's like there's a wolf in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, some birds will, will do that. So there's the lyre bird, which will imitate all kinds of things if you come near its nest. Right. But um, So, you know, bowerbird. This is bowerbirds as well. They hear things Bowerbirds like- are very famous. They're the ones that kind of do extremely... Uh, high fidelity impersonation. They mimic cats, dogs, whistling kites. I mean, there's a famous Attenborough documentary makes the sound of a camera clicking and all kinds of things, which is crazy. Right. Some people think it's flock recognition or under being understood by your peers, so they're able to sort of plastically have their own dialects. So the birds will know which birds belong to their own kind of clan. 
because they all have their own language, effectively. Like, like Brummies. Like Brummies. How you doing, mate? Imagine if you were just in the park and suddenly like a flock of sparrows flew over going, Whoa, look at all the eagle like that. And then another load came over going, Hey, mate. <laughs> That's probably what it was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look. There's a whole bunch of theories to do with this. Sexual selection, anti-predation, auditory map, mm. being able to find your way around, territoriality, you know, understood, you know, you, you have your own sound so you, people can understand who you are. And it's thought that this mimicry that parrots and other birds have, it's just coincidental. They're just able to do it and they'll, they, they're programmed to be able to absorb sounds from their environment. But th- th- there's clearly a hierarchy of birds that are good at this, right? So you don't get it from robins, no. right? You know, and like you know, so 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 there must be some. Is there any correlation with where those birds live, or their, you know, or their, I don't know, their, um, what they eat, or how they, or their kind of social hierarchy, or anything like that? It's surprising how little is known about this, considering right. how big a subject it is. As there's risk- interesting. I mean, there was I'm, there was a there was a person I met quite recently whose PhD project was on seeing whether parrot could mimic an, a wing being put out. So he spent ages with one kind of stuffed parrot in front of another, constantly putting the wing out to see whether the parrot would copy physical movements as well. But they don't. It's purely um, auditory, auditory signals that they go for. Yeah, they don't copy movements so much. Interesting. That's so weird, isn't it? But the thing is, with birds, they've got this amazing adaptation to be able to do it as well. They've got this... Um... The syrinx. Yes, yeah, syrinx, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and I'm syrinx is very dear to my heart, because as you know, in the Rush album 2112 from 1976, there was the a temple song, Temples of the, of the Syrinx. Yeah. <laughs> you told me about this before, which is why the only reason why I know what a syrinx is. It's a crazy... I mean, I had a look. If you've ever looked at the physiology of the syrinx, it's a crazy complicated thing. It's basically around the bottom of the trachea, so you've got yeah. your windpipe goes down into your chest. So, so we should just say, so, so it's the kind of bird equivalent of the larynx, which is the bit of our, of our vocal tract exactly. that allows us to speak. Yeah. So it's the same as the larynx, but it's totally different physiologically, but it has the same job, makes noise. Your trachea goes down, it splits into two. There are various muscles controlling the tension, various membranes, bits of cartilage, mm-hmm. and the muscles can, can control all of the tensions and the various arrangements of these components, which can, right. when... Uh, air is forced through it it's like basically like a flute or like a you know like a like a wind instrument basically they can play it like an ocarina and some of them can play two notes at once so the syrinx actually within our larynx it's in our trachea so it's at the top end near our throats but in a bird it's down right down in the lungs at the bottom of the trachea where the bronch uh, the bronchus splits off okay Um, and that means that they the bronchi can be controlled independently independently so birds can play two notes at once effectively so he gets his normal. Oh, so if there was, if we had like a Nina Simone bird equivalent, she could sing high and low at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool, wouldn't Crazy. it? Crazy. Anyway, so I mean, this is a subject probably we should come back to in another another podcast. Maybe go into the physiology a bit more of the swings, but it's a fascinating um, subject, and you know, millions of years of evolution. That's that's what it's taken for a parrot to say bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's taken millions of years and we don't know why yet isn't that exciting <laughs> <laughs> love it nick steve you know it's a quick one for you you know how sometimes you're uh you know you, everyone has a bad day don't they sometimes, you know, sometimes you're a winner and sometimes you're a loser 
Exactly. And sometimes you just like, you know, you can be on form and just everything goes wrong. Right. And I started thinking about it. Right. You know, I was like, well, you know, have, have other scientists been through similar things? You know, people that we hold in high esteem, you know, and, and have they recorded it? So obviously, you know, any modern day scientist is probably, you know, you know, we, we can hear how they feel about the kind of philosophy of science. But the olden day ones, it's quite hard to kind of get a feel of, you know, what they actually you know, they're, they're, how their peers viewed them at the time. Anyway, found a great quote, Charles Darwin, handwritten from from his notes. Right, this is it's beautiful. He says, <laughs> he goes, right, but I am very poor today and very stupid and hate everybody and everything. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That was his entire note. That was his uh, entry to his diary and his, uh, and his, and his lab work. Love it. I'm very poorly today and very stupid and hate everybody and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's going bad for you, just remember, like even 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 Charles Darwin had a bad one. Poor Charlie. Nick. Steve. I want to come back to some space. Remember, we were talking about the Artemis mission last time. Yeah, you were telling me about this sort of strange space helicopter. Yeah, I was so so one of the so we're going back to the moon, right? NASA's going back to the moon, but also not. It, what's weird about it this time around is it's not just government uh, organized um, space um, uh, um, uh, uh, administrations that are going back. Also, commercial companies are going. Yeah, like back. your goggle, so, so goggle-eyed loon friend Elon Musk. Me and Elon buddies. I want to talk to you about his his spaceship. Oh yeah. So he's got. So he's got, he's just about, he's, they've just been testing the um, the heavy duty rocket, right? Where they, which they call Starship, right? Uh, SpaceX. And Starship is going to be the, is going to be the rocket that's going to go both to the moon and also to Mars, right? That's the, that's the kind of design that's going to be able to do it. It's called Starship. What? Right. I mean, that's got to be yeah. the most prosaic name. Look, Starship. Have, how, how many rockets have you built that can go to the moon? But Starship, <laughs> I mean, it's a bad... Bad eighties pop okay, band. But there's, who there's like, a, there's we're a couple, like a, really there's a, the bastard children of Jefferson. There's airplane. a couple of things that you'll like about this. <laughs> so, so they first designed it. Have you ever seen the Dictator, which is a movie with Sasha Baron Cohen did? Uh, you know what? I haven't seen it, but it's on the list. Right. Okay. Watch it. And apparently, there's a, there's a point of that where where the dictator wants a rocket, and he looks at the rocket and says, "Make it pointier." Right. I don't like it. I want it pointier. Now, apparently, when 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 Elon first saw SpaceX's Starship, he said exactly the same thing. He's like, make it pointier. It says everything and they, that you need to know about Elon and, Musk. And they did. <laughs> and, it, you know, and so now it's pointier. Anyway, this rocket, right, is now um, it, like, unladen. It weighs 5,000 tons. It's the heaviest thing that's ever flown. It weighs, um, it can now take into orbit more than the, uh, twice as much as the Saturn V can, c- could have done uh, but the last time it flown. 5,000 tons? That's how much it weighs. Yeah, and it can. Good God! It's the heaviest thing that's ever flown. Why are they do? Why are they building it that heavy? Well, because they've got to be able to take people and stuff and robots and all that stuff to Mars and to the Moon. So it has yeah, to have yeah. a payload capable of doing it, right? Can't they sort of um, take it all up there in pieces and then assemble it in space? I've heard that. <laughs> they, well, they've considered that, but this is they think is the most cost-effective model, okay, right? And yeah, so sure. this, I'm, I'm going to come on to that in a second, sorry, right? Sorry. But um, so so. You know, in terms of cost, right, uh, adjusted to $2,009, every flight of the Saturn V rocket costs $1.23 billion every flight. Bloody hell, really? The 
the Starship predicted, you know, like this is what this is their goal that they're working towards, yeah. will cost one million. So it's a thousand fold cheaper, twelve hundred times cheaper. So this is like the right. kind of the Aldi of spaceships. Well, I mean, it's about trying to make it cheap so it can make it commercially viable. Yeah. Right, in a way that we didn't have before. Yeah. And well, Westeros is what... clearly isn't commercially viable. I mean, if you've ever been in there. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one can afford £8.50 don't, don't for some vegetables. broccoli. My advice to you, Steve, <laughs> if you don't want to go bankrupt, don't go to Waitrose and buy shopping. vegetables. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. No. Yeah, it doesn't, unless, you're a, unless you're a banker. Um, no, um, that, that's exactly the point, right? So, so, they, so Elon's got to figure out a way, and SpaceX has got to figure out a way to make um, these rockets cheap because if they want to make them cheap they want to be able to like put stuff in space and what one of the one of the things they also want to do is do kind of earth to earth transport so they want to be able to basically transport people from i don't know london to sydney in an extremely short time because they can go they can do on high earth kind of orbits and trajectories and so what that means is they have to be able to make the rocket reusable in exactly the same way an airplane is right so the idea is that you fire the rocket it goes into space or goes into low earth orbit comes back down again you refuel it it goes up again so hang on a minute day. so so this rocket is not just for going to the moon or mars it's also for exactly. flying to australia because 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 flying to Australia will subsidise flying to the flying to Mars, sure. and that's the do they that's really the think it's going to be viable as a transport? Isn't it but like well, that's exactly what they're working I mean, to it can't working be towards. Very, um, do you know you know with global warming and all that, it can't be yeah. very like good for global warming. Eco friendly, I mean partially, but I mean, they say they're going to offset all the carbon associated with well, it. I guess and all you that could. Stuff. I guess if you did it from hydrogen and oxygen, though, you just use electricity to make the hydrogen you could, but you still got to burn carbon to make elect- that amount of electricity well you right? could maybe but use can't you you can do that panels with, or yeah you can do it with electricity yeah and if anyone can do it elon can but anyway like this is what's really interesting this is the bit that was i found most interesting and see if you like this right so so getting in like i would you would think getting into space is hard right and apparently well i've is... never managed it personally well but... No, but the thing is, getting into space is relatively easy, right? You you can literally get an eighty-pound weather balloon, and you can put and attach your mobile phone to it, and it will go a hundred thousand feet, right? And you'll see the curvature of the Earth, you'll see the blackness of space, and then the the balloon will pop and it'll fall back down again, right? So actually, that's quite easy to do. What's hard is to get into orbit, right? And the reason the reason it's hard to get into orbit is because basically what you need to so if you imagine you know those little toys you have as a kid, right? which where you put a coin in and they like go round the edge and they slowly get faster and faster and faster and then drop in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Love that. So, so that you can think about gravity in exactly the same way. But 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 if you're trying to get into orbit, you start at the bottom of that toy and you have to figure out a way to get to the top of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and the weather balloon is just like flicking a coin up the edge of the, the funnel. It rolls up and rolls back down again. But if you want to get into orbit, what you've got to do is go fast laterally. You've got to go fast sideways in order to go faster and faster yeah, and mean, faster and get quicker and quicker, quicker. Basically being in orbit is like falling over and never hitting the ground because you're going so fast that the curvature of the earth... sideways. Yeah, and, and so you, I like never thought of it like this. Right? A, like my, I remember like if you had a gun and yeah. you shot the gun so fast that the, in yeah. space, I'm just adding a caveat here, that the bullet's always <laughs> dropping but it never hits exactly. the ground because so, so, it's dropping right. you're, you're, exactly you're for, matches the curvature of the earth. Yeah, you're, you're perpetually falling. Yeah. As the, you're falling fast, you're going fast enough that the amount you fall is the same as the curvature yeah, of the Earth. Yeah, you're in That's free what... fall, but you're never going closer to the surface of the Earth, basically. Exactly. So, so this is why I'd never realised this before. You know, when you see like a like a rocket take off, it it takes off and then it looks as though it tilts over. 
right? And it looks like it's going sideways. Yeah. And it's that lateral velocity which is most important. So you have to go about 60,000 meters a second laterally, so, so relative to the so that's no, forward. 60 kilometers a second. In order to get into stable low Earth orbit, Blooming, you know, yeah. roughly around that, around that point. So, 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 what's really interesting, right, is that if you want to reuse the rocket, you've got to go. You've got to, not only do you have to go up, you have to go sideways, and most of the energy in the rocket is used going sideways fast, not up fast, right? Up fast is easy. Sideways fast is expensive. And really? so, when you do that, is that yeah, really true? Nearly all of the nearly all of the fuel is used going sideways to get into low Earth orbit. And if you think about it in the same way of, of my little analogy of the toy, you imagine the coin going faster and faster and faster. You've got to go quick enough that you go up the funnel to the point that you're very high on the funnel. And that requires a huge amount of energy because you've got to go faster and faster so and faster. So would it be true in that sense then that, you know, things like Voyager and things which have gone to other planets, they yeah. haven't bothered with that. They've just gone straight up and out because, yeah. okay, right, I get it. So, that, so, so they so, go straight so, up, and then they just like when they get they away from the need, earth, they, they just they need carry on burning it, so they can get sure. But they still need going they, away from the earth. Exactly, but they still need a big rocket because they need to get away. Oh from yeah, the they earth. need to get but, the speed yeah, going yeah. upwards. Yeah, yeah. So this is the cool stuff, right? So, so the energy in all of the rockets when you're burning that all of that rocket, that fuel, right, that's used to go fast sideways. If you want to slow down and land again and get your lateral velocity back to zero to way. land in Sydney, you've got to get rid of that energy. Whoa, you've got, got to get go rid of that way. energy. So, so, but, but, so traditionally, the way we do it is via heat, right? So you, you, have, you, know, like, you have the yeah, you have the heat shield. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, so, I, so actually, the, the 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 main problem in making rockets reusable and therefore making them a thousand times cheaper is nothing to do with engineering. It's nothing to do with rockets. It's nothing. It's heat. It's thermodynamics. Is that if you can't get rid of that heat, you can't refuel the rocket and you can't use it again, right? And so actually, nearly all of SpaceX's investment in this in this Starship now is trying to get rid of the heat fast enough they so they can refuel it. I thought they solved all that with space shuttles. Though, why can't you just do it with a space shuttle? Because because it's still too hot. The space shuttle space t- takes. Uh, you have to like it has to cool down. You can't you can't refuel it in twenty minutes and take off again, right? And then you have to do all these like com- tests because all of the essentially they had um, sacrificial heat shields. So, so after the space shuttle came down, you know they had loads of people checking all of the these little tiles and replacing the tiles and repolishing all of the glass. So 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 what's but what's I mean so, so the the goal of space uh, of of uh, this space of the reusable spaceship now is. N- is basically to try and solve the problems of yeah. thermodynamics. Well, I mean, it's the last not... the last space shuttle was the one that broke up, wasn't it? Precisely for that reason, because yeah. it had a slightly dodgy tile. Yeah, it's like one but that's tile was. I mean, but the way to think about it, if you tried to find my all kitchen of... up there, you'd be screwed because like <laughs> the tile. So your your tiling's dodgy, there. but like. But the thing to think about is that all of the th- all of the heat, all of the energy in a rocket. Just think about all of that heat, right? I mean, you see it all take off, like all of the fire to lift, you know, five thousand tons into space, right? All of that heat, you have to you have to pay the penalty of burning that heat back again because you've got to slow down again, and that's the fundamental problem with it. It's nothing to do with engineering; it's thermodynamics. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It is cool, but it also sounds like a right pain at the ass. <laughs> Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Dishes, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting.
what, mate? Yeah, how you going? Who's I'm there? All right. How, who's, who's this? I don't think. Oh, I know Brian, mate. Brian. Yeah. Well, I know a Brian, but he's normally a brummy. No, he's, he's my. Like, he's, he's my cousin, mate. He's my cousin. Oh, Brian's Brian. cousin Brian. Oh, nice to meet you, Brian. How, how you been? Just had a big poo. <laughs> just had oh. a big... <laughs> Mate. Yeah, Did you enjoy the science shed, Brian? Bloody grace. Son of Brian. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, and, mate. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I live in, you know, where I live, mate. Where do you live, Brian? Oh, I live down Tooting, mate. Yeah. Tooting. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, have you? Have you been listening to our science podcast? Yeah, it's good, mate. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Absolutely. What do you do, Brian? Oh, I work in the uh, work in Ladbrokes. Ladbrokes. Yeah. Okay. Must be hard during COVID, or are people still coming in and, uh, and making online, bets? Mate. Do Just do it online. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, just, yeah. you know, sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry about that. I've got a bit of indigestion. Right. Anyway, yeah, uh, I enjoyed the science shit. You enjoyed the science yeah, I'm glad. Well, if you, if you're, do you know what, Brian, son of Brian, well, cousin of Brian, yeah. if you enjoy the science shit, you can uh, engage with us further on Twitter because I'm at, at uh, Steve the Chemist. Yeah. Um, Nick, yeah. who is who's my podcasting yeah. wife, oh, is... Oh, oh. He's uh, uh, at at the Evans Lab, oh, and if you just want to tweet us directly, you can be at the Science Shed. So, oh, so I think all of those things are possible. Well, it sounds like you've got other stuff in your life going on, though. Yeah, you know, Brian. Well, I, you know, maybe you maybe know, love, maybe this isn't a good time. It's great, right? So, you guys, you keep it up, mate. Yeah, lovely. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. We're glad you like it, and we'll keep going. Oh, you got, 